Clubhouse. This is Paul. This is Sheila. This is Steph. And this is the Pop Culture Review Podcast for the week of February 5th through the 11th. Uh, (laughs) Since there are some major Yellowstone rumors hitting this week, we thought we'd have our resident Yellowstone experts sit in on this podcast to give us their opinions on what's happening on the Dutton Ranch. But that comes later. I don't know how I have time to watch so much TV. It is. I watch it on my phone and my iPad, like while I'm doing laundry and while I'm like waiting at, at like a kid's practice yes. i'll do the kid's practice or something i'm like oh okay i'm like i got I time for this okay so much tv speaking of tv let's talk about what we're watching yeah. um are you watching last of us steph but that doesn't seem like a, a steph show oh i'm not <laughs> <laughs> well it's making me rethink else my position is. on mushrooms i'll tell you what <laughs> yeah it's a it's fungus i'm giving you the side eye that's for sure yeah so after the third episode that was instantly sort of a classic tv for all time episode they followed up with an episode that's just you know advancing the plot introducing some new characters etc etc what did you think of this week's episode you know just what you said about episode three i i I just have to echo I, i was watching it and i was like this is just cinematic storytelling at its finest the way that they're weaving the story through we have to put an exclamation point after episode three so yeah so episode four was good but like it did not have the same sort of um immersion for for the characters the way that they kind of introduced bill and frank um in episode three just the way that they wove that storytelling and it didn't feel intrusive so um i'm i'm just enjoying the show pedro pascal is having a moment for sure (laughs) and like all these people who are just coming on board now they're like he's the mandalorian i'm like where have you been for three years (laughs) right you know He's been a lot of things. Yes. My Twitter page and my TikTok page is all like full of like Pedro Pascal just love. And I'm like, you people are so late to the game. Like, hello, Game (laughs) of Thrones. Way back when. Right. Prince Oberon. Prince Oberon. Yes. And he is unfortunately gouged. His eyes are gouged out by the mountain, which is one of the most interesting, you know, sort of moments in television as well. Melanie Linsky was introduced this week on The Last of Us. And again, she fields via... Twitter body, maybe not shaming, but body commentary. Yeah, commentary. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. From former America's Next Top model, Adrian Curry. Interesting how that keeps coming up for Melanie and she keeps having to to deal with that. People just need to leave people alone. Like your body shape, your body size, your body looks. It's not up for discussion. Apparently when Melanie's on TV, it is. (laughs) I don't know why her. I mean, like we heard this when we did Candy, Steph and I, last year around this time. And it was like just commentary about her again. Like it was all over social media. I'm like, you know, who gives a flying, you know, whatever. Um, It's not... It's not germane to the story. It do, it doesn't impact her acting. She's a fantastic actress. Like, why are we having these conversations in 2023? Just leave people alone. It's there, but yeah. at least it came from, you know, uh, a highly respected source like Adrian Curry, you know, <laughs> to bring a lot of attention yeah, to, to the subject. Like, can't we find better things to talk about? Why don't we talk about uh, 1923? I'm telling you, we're going to talk. I don't know if we're going to have a spot for these mid-season finales and how much I despise them. I'm enjoying the season up until, what was it, episode four? Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying how they're telling the story and the linkages to the present. I'm I'm enjoying that. Well, you do need to catch up. Stuff mm-hmm. happened in this episode. Stuff and, happened. Yeah. Yeah. I like, thought you said Steph happened at first. I was like, what did Steph do? <laughs> what did I do? I definitely like the show so far, and I'm surprised that, that uh, Harrison Ford is hitting it so hard right now, if you're keeping score. But he's on this. He's uh, 1923. He's on a show mm-hmm. on Apple TV called Shrinking. Oh, yes. He's got Indiana Jones coming out this year. Dang. And he is, he is signed up to take over the role of Thunderbolt Ross in the Marvel movies. Wow, really? Yeah. And he's 80? Yeah. How old is that guy? Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. If you've seen up to episode four, then you saw like the gunfight and all that. And he's having to to run and jump over logs and shit. And (laughs) (laughs) I want 
that to be me when I'm 80, like still running and jumping over logs. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, and, and that doesn't work out well for him anyway. Oh, it, was, okay. it was all for nothing, <laughs> yeah. as it turns out. But I mean, that is an ambitious year that he has, yeah. you know, happening right now. I remember the promo picture for 1923, like the week that it was airing, and they had like Harrison Ford was laying on the floor. Um, it was the it was the whole cast, right? So it was Timothy Dalton, Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren was like crouched down. Timothy Dalton was on the floor, and Harrison Ford was on the floor. I'm like, <laughs> people, these are national, international treasures. Don't put them on the floor That's because funny. they're going to break something trying to get up. Come on, because I think Timothy Dalton is like 76 or something like that. Helen Mirren, I think, is in her 80s as well. And we can do better here, you know. Put the youngins on the floor. Put the, put the young Duttons on the floor. <laughs> The show's holding up. Steph, you, you should you should find it when you can or yeah. at least wait for everything to drop. The the introduction of uh, Spencer Dutton is mm-hmm. bringing a whole new angle to Big D energy, I think. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, my God. Sheila, do you agree with any of that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Steph, it's entertaining. Uh, You'll like it, definitely. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, definitely. I mean, I, I really want to watch it. You know like how we talk so much about, like, the Dutton family dysfunction? Yeah. I see the roots of it so clearly in this show. Good. Yeah. That's what we need. Remember, we kept saying, like, what? Yes. Know? Like, it, it gives some backstory to the generational trauma of the Duttons, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, it's it's worth a watch. Yeah. Well, and I think, didn't they mention minors in the... In the regular show about about historical adversaries to the ranch, but miners are the bad guys. Well, they're part of the bad guys in 1923. In 1923, yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's see. Sheila mentioned that she started watching the next season of You on Netflix. Which I am very, very excited about. Okay, um, I'm so ashamed. don't uh, say anything. I will not say anything. No, <laughs> I will I tell you what you. I'm ashamed of. I am ashamed that yesterday that five episodes dropped. Yeah. And I'm more than halfway through. Uh, I don't want to watch yet because I don't have enough time to sit down and watch all five. It's a show that sucks you in. Yeah, I'm waiting really for like does. the weekend. I am like desperately waiting for any minute that I can get alone to start watching it. But I want to make sure I have enough time to like binge the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I literally went to bed at one o'clock last night because I oh was like, gosh. okay, I have to stop. I have to yeah. stop. <laughs> but I was just I wondering like how they were wait. going. Yeah, how they were going to kind of top last season's it just gets jaw dropping. And, and, and literally, Paul, like what you said, like I was sucked in in the first 10 minutes because I was like yes. sitting there. I was like, all right, do I like this? Do I want do I want to get into it? Do I have the brain power for this at this hour of night? I think it was like 10 <laughs> o'clock at night last night when I started watching it. And I was like, oh, right. You came out because I was finishing up episode four of The Last of Us because I didn't get to watch it yet because I only started it Monday. It sucked me in right away. It brought me right back into the crazy and I was just like, I'm here for it. I love it. I love it. So Joe is in Paris. Is that right? He is in Europe. I will not give you anything more than that. He did get to Paris, but he's, he's elsewhere now. You know, watching the preview, it's clear like they, they wanted to take Joe and reinvent the story, reinvent the the premise or at least the the more like the frame that they want to tell the story keep joe just insert him in a new kind of story and see how joe copes yeah take him out of his element which is great because i mean season two is basically kind of like season one season three was advancing the season two story but did we want to see him trap another girl in a box right probably not (laughs) <laughs> right, another neighbor or right. like, you know, the girl next door. But how do you how do you keep Joe doing Joe stuff? And so mm-hmm. I'm I'm anxious to watch it. Even though it's not the same same setup which sucked me in, it looks like it's going to have all the joeyness that that makes it so watchable. Yes. I saw this meme like yesterday that like there was like a celebrity that was like standing behind a pole and you could totally see and it was like Joe creeping on every person and then they acting like they can't see him. Paul, 100% of what you just said is exactly where the season is going. It's Joe doing what Joe does. The script is flipped a little. So Joe is not on the offensive yet. I see. Okay. Oh, that's tantalizing. Yeah. (laughs) So it's Joe out of his element because he's in a different country, in a different city. He's not in the Joe mindset when it first starts out. He's like, he's trying to, like you said, reinvent himself. So he's kind of caught off guard when some Joe-like stuff happens to him. Well, the first part of the season dropped on the 9th. 
of February. The next section will drop on March 9th. Sucks. You find Netflix doing this a lot with some of its yeah. big shows now, like like Stranger Things had it, but they admitted kind of publicly that they weren't done <laughs> by the time that they were yeah. committed to go live with the with the most recent season. So they had to put a couple episodes later. Do you think it's just because of trying to keep their average like viewer numbers up throughout? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like Ozark like it did it. It has to be just about like numbers. There's a thirst that people have to want to, to watch the show like us. Yeah. And there's not a lot of people that have the delayed gratification sense to to just wait until everything's available. Mm -hmm. Those of us that won't wait, there, there are people that like turn off and on the services rather than yeah. just pay for them mm -hmm. all the time. And But this, if you can't wait, then you at least get sucked in for two months, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so I think that's it. I think that's I'm the strategy really not enjoying like these mid-season finales so like yeah. with 1923 now that is a perfect example i was humming along and then they stopped and i forgot that it was you know a month's break i thought it was longer and then now and it's going like, to take me a while to get back into it like i got to get reacclimated well, and, and then you have to kind of go back and rewatch or re refresh your memory mm -hmm. same with yeah, because you like it's been a long time since i've seen that i feel like i need to have a refresher course. You know, they they give you a recap at the beginning of you from the last season, but it's like it's not enough. Like I forgot no. some of like the Marianne stuff, and um, so I'm gonna go back and rewatch like the last maybe two episodes of last season. You know, I know we're gonna be talking about Yellowstone big time later, but like this Yellowstone cliffhanger, don't know when they're coming back. My money is on the autumn. Like they're saying summer. I'm like, eh, they haven't even started shooting. And then with all this Kevin Costner nonsense, well, just like um, the rest of uh, Taylor shows he is the lone writing credit for 1923 also. Now, mm. you know, every show has a writing room and there's no such thing as just like one writer that just writes the whole whole thing anymore in TV. But still, he's the only credited writer. So that means he's like putting in the the lion's share of, of getting the pen to pen to paper. So that means yeah. he is, I mean, with, or you guys have talked about it before, but he's got all these Yellowstones, he's got the Mayor of Kingstown, Mayor of Kingstown. Yeah. he's got Tulsa King, and now he's got a the Bass Reeves spinoff of 1883 mm -hmm. that he's putting together. That's spread pretty thin. Yeah, it's starting yeah. to feel like kind of just disjointed or, or confusing, too. Well, stuff happened in that first half of the Yellowstone season, season five, but... It didn't really start to speed up until that last episode. Right. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, never mind. Right. We'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. We'll see, see you like, when we're knocking on the door 2024. Yeah, I feel like whenever it comes back in the summer or fall or whatever, we're going to have to rewatch all of those first few episodes just to get back into like exactly what's going on. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's their plan all along. Make you rewatch. <laughs> Ratings. Yeah. Streamability. I'll be watching you probably this weekend my myself. I'm, I, this I'm, weekend, I'm yeah. you know, it's he's he's such a odd character, you know. He's not really a hero, but he's the protagonist mm -hmm. and I don't know, he, he's very watchable. <laughs> yes, it's it's he's very compelling, right? Because yeah. he's like the anti-hero because he's mm -hmm. but he's also very dark and twisted, so. He's a bad guy. He is. He's a bad guy. But you like but him. And you kind of like him. Yeah. Jinx. You jinx. <laughs> exactly. Continuing down our little list here, I had been meaning to watch AMC Plus's The Mayfair Witches because I'm interested in that kind of shit. It was, it was the, you know, they had a lot of luck with Interview with a Vampire earlier this year. And so they also had another Anne Rice property called The Mayfair Witches, which is another series of books set in that in that same kind of supernatural world. I didn't care for it, so I don't know that I'm going to <laughs> gonna keep keep watching it. It's already renewed for a second season. It's about a, a woman who uh, was adopted, but uh, she might be a witch, Harry. And um, <laughs> She's a witch. Yeah, exactly. I just didn't like it. Had you guys seen anything about that show? I've seen a lot of ads for it, and I like the... Uh, the actress Alexandra Daddario. Yeah, she's the lead, right? 
Yeah, so I like her. You know, she, I, I mean, I go way back with her. She she was Annabeth and Percy Jackson, <laughs> right? <laughs> like way yeah. back when. So I just find her very compelling, and I, I like her. So I might give it a watch. I I wasn't aware that it was renewed for a second season, so mm-hmm. um, that gives me a little bit more of a hook to want to watch it because, like, I hate getting involved in series that resolve after one or two seasons, or you know, just don't get renewed. Or uh, I'm yeah. gonna look go back way back to like Friends from College on Netflix. I'm still <laughs> wounded by that. Gosh, I'm wounded by Prodigal Son, by these shows that you know were very niche and it, you know didn't get uh, sort of the the life's breath that they deserved. Well, and it's AMC Plus, so I don't know if some of those shows they show on AMC Plus one week and then the next week they show on their standard platform. Yes, right? well, mm-hmm. their standard cable channel, but I'm not sure if it's one of those or. It's so hard to keep up with, like, what show to watch where and on what platform. Well, here's another one that's probably super high on your list. South Park came back yeah. this week. Oh. <laughs> Paul, you know me so well. Yeah, yeah. This, this really? Is not predictable. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> he doesn't know me that well, but yet he knows that I'm not going to watch South Park. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, I was like, I didn't think Steph was a South Park fan. Like, I like no, South Park no. when it came out first, when it was, like, all about the potty humor and stuff like that. But, you know, like... I feel like I've evolved a little. Yeah. <laughs> well, this week's episode was about sort of like mixing in Kanye West's recent nice. implosions. <laughs> yeah. But turning it into like a Valentine's story. So that's funny. So Cartman has has a has an evil version of himself called Cupid Ye, who <laughs> if he if he tags you with his arrow, you become an anti Semite. Um, oh my god! <laughs> and it kind of hey, crazy. you know what? Kudos to them for staying relevant, but you know, <laughs> yeah. not my cup of tea. It was a lot, but at least they finally have gotten out of the integrity weed rut that they were in for the last couple of years. Highly unpopular, at least with me. Stan's dad had decided to grow weed, and it mm. turned into the show. It was like everything about the show was this stupid weed storyline. I didn't care for it, and we're back to normal. So great. But we can get off South Park for now. One of us watched the recent Pamela documentary on Netflix, kind of a a response to the Pam and Tommy series that had come out earlier last year. So interested in this. I watched it last weekend, and I found it really interesting because she's really been silent about mm-hmm. all of the bullshit for decades now at this point like you know it, the tape was in the 90s have either of you seen the tape no no i've seen no, the I've, tape. i mean i've just seen like the little like <laughs> bits that were on the news and stuff like that no i have not gone searching for the pamela and tommy wow but um i found the documentary very interesting because like you know she's telling her side of the story and you know when you take a step back and you're like she comes across in most of the documentary as like being the victim of circumstance, right? But meanwhile, like it really looks like she's profiting from all of the the mayhem, let's put it that way. You know, if you don't sort of take the step back and look at it, you'll be like, oh my God, poor Pamela. You know, it's all, it's all been, everything's been against her. You know, she also tells you that she seeks out the crazy. And, and you know, so I feel like it's a very interesting story to tell and to hear her side of it. But at the same time, like I, I didn't come away from it feeling sorry for her, which I think was the intent. Hmm. Interesting. It's definitely worth watching. I will tell you that for sure. It's definitely worth it. But I would just you keep an open mind about what the narrative is really telling you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might want to cast some sort of idea on her that, you know, having been a Playboy playmate and all of the other exploits that she's had in her life, that she might have been a product of her time and had no other choice other than to exploit her own body for blah, blah, blah. But but you're saying actually she had full agency the entire time and and she sought out these situations that other people may put a different kind of value on. Yeah. I mean, with the exception of the stealing of the tape, which was completely out of their control. And, and you know, she does go into like how hard they fought to regain control, I, I suppose. But yeah, she she was she knew what she was doing the whole time. Whatever you've heard about Tommy Lee. It's true. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Right? Yeah, her kids are in the documentary with her and wow. like, oh my God, like they look so much like him. Really? I just hope they don't act like him. <laughs> the bit about Kid Rock and Borat is so weird. I mean, I knew that at the time that that's why they broke up. Like, you know what I'm talking about, Steph? No. 
like she and oh, Kid Rock like were that. dating for a long time, like living yeah. together, dating. Did you ever see the Borat movie, the first one? Yeah. Do you remember how Borat comes and like takes her and puts her in a bag because he was like fixated on her? Yeah. Kid Rock took that personally, like that that was some something more serious than it was. Like it was an actual uh, slight to him personally right then and there at the screening that they went to go see the movie with the cast. Mm -hmm. And they like I think they broke up that night as oh a result of that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Th does she talk about that in this documentary? No. That's oh, that's a bummer. That's a bummer because okay. that, that, no, that, that does not come up at all. That came up I again love... with with the release of the documentary. Oh, my gosh. But yeah. the, the Borat thing is not mentioned in the documentary. That's a bummer because that's such a weird thing. But it's true. I love stuff like that. I was like, this is really life. <laughs> this is really this, this And the documentary will take you back in time. You will step back into the late, you know, 80s, yeah, early no, 90s. Like, and you'll just be like, oh, smell the nostalgia. The the Dakar Noir. CK1 the is in the air. Crystal Pepsi. <laughs> CK1. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. Well, that, we'll put that on our list for maybe this weekend after we're done watching you. They're both exactly. on Netflix. Um, yes. Also, that came out recently and, and playing currently on Apple TV Plus is a documentary, not documentary, a series called Shrinking, has Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford in it. It's about therapists. Like they're like they both work in the same office. It's that Jason Siegel is a mess, an absolute mess of a human, but he's still giving advice to others. He's still therapizing people. Therapizing? That's great. <laughs> made that up just now it sounds very legit I yeah know, right? it's a perfectly cromulent word mm -hmm. caroline well, did, really good didn't get a lot out of it i thought it didn't had like it well she just didn't know why she should care about this guy just by watching the first episode mm -hmm. is it funny i mean it says it's a comedy it's a dramedy i would say dramedy? Okay. i mean the main patient of jason's that we meet in the first episode is a former soldier who snaps at the slightest provocation physically. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of humor in needing to deal with a person who's physically violent with other right. uh, other people, but they still manage to stitch in some, some laughs here and there. Harrison Ford trying to be funny. It, it still comes off as curmudgeonly old man, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but still, he's there for it. Now, I have a question. Is this in any way similar to The Patient that was on Hulu with Steve Carell and Donald Gleason? No. Because I tried to get into that and it just did not, it did not grab me. No, it doesn't okay. have the same kind of sinister overtones about yeah, it. Yeah, okay. well, I mean, that was, it was very sinister. But I just feel like there's a lot of uh, attention being paid right now to the mental health mechanisms, if you will. It reminded me a little, little bit of a show called Louder Milk that no one saw. Ron Livingston. <laughs> that no one saw. Was this guy yeah, <laughs> called Louder Milk, who was also a therapist who was sort of a dick. Instead of just having a life that's a mess, he was more of a, a dick than, than that. But he was a, an effective therapist. So it was sort of like that weird dichotomy of not everybody can be like Oprah and give good advice. It's <laughs> sometimes it's it's the opposite. I don't know if I'll keep going with it. You know, Caroline makes up at least half of the decision making of what's on the TV. And if she didn't jive with it, it might not work out. Uh, fresh to the United States, but it's been on in England for a couple of months, is the continuation of the CB Strike series written or created from Robert Galbraith, a.k.a. J.K. Rowling's uh, detective series. I like the series for what it is. Um, I don't know if you've ever given it a try. Either of you shows up on HBO Max as like an import from the BBC. When you mentioned it earlier, I was I just did a quick Google. I'm like Robert Galbraith. I'm like, oh, J.K. Rowling. I'm like, oh, like I didn't think I didn't think her newer stuff was still getting purchase. I guess if you will, given her comments over the years, she's weathering the storm. And uh, I mean, I love her work. I love the outputs that she gives. But um, so I, I'll give this a look because I, I I personally I had BritBox for a year. The the British the BBC subscription yeah. service. I had that. And I did get rid of it because I just I, I had too many and I just found myself not watching it enough. But like, give me a good British, you know, crime story, a British murder mystery. I am there for it. And now knowing that, like, there's a spin with J.K. Rowling and her being the storyteller, it kind of gives me a little bit more of like a, a sit up and take notice. kind yeah. of a The guy, Strike, it's a dumb name. CB Strike, dumb 
name. Because <laughs> his name is actually like Cormoran Strike. I don't Cormoran. remember what B stands Cormoran. for. Okay. Yeah, Cormoran. It's a very uh, Cornish kind of name. Yes. And he is a former soldier who had half of his leg blown off, who goes into uh, private investigation as a civilian. The whole story is him and his exploits with his younger female um, assistant and then gradually partner, Robin. So they have this weird will-they-won't-they sexual chemistry and um, really compelling kind of mysteries about who's lying to them and, and what kind of information they can get. He's a very imposing guy because he's, he's a big guy, but he's also got only half a leg. So he's always got this looming physical presence, but he can't really totally rely on physicality because if push comes to shove, he'll just get his leg kicked out from under him, you know? Yeah. It's it's an interesting show, but but now that you mentioned that you like uh, British stuff, you must be excited to know that that another uh, Luther movie is coming out next month. I am. I am a Luther fan, so that's good. I didn't know it was this soon. I knew it was coming on the horizon. I just didn't know it was it was imminent. Oh yeah, yeah. I I uh, buzzed through Luther really quick, and and mm-hmm. it didn't. None of it went the way that I thought it was going to go. <laughs> so that's that's I'm all. Just along for the ride most of the time. The younger partner, I did not mm-hmm. expect him to check out halfway through. Yeah, you know. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it's a great show, and I'll, I'll have to I don't know what read a an article or something to to remind myself where we wound up. I know that he was I think he was arrested at the end of the last season or something like that. So I don't know where we're at for for a new season or a new movie or whatever Netflix is making. But uh, is it a movie or is it a show? I think it's a movie. Okay. Feel free to correct me on that. I'm I'm perfectly willing to for it to be a whole new series. Idris Elba is highly in demand, so a movie makes a little more sense to me. But you know, yeah, he's he's cuffed at the end of this the last episode, isn't he? Right. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So I would bring a lot of that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So talking about some watches and rewatches, Steph, you said you were watching Suits. Had you had you watched Suits the first time around or are you just catching up now or re rewatching it? Um, no, I missed totally missed out on Suits the first time around. I was I'm looking at the um, timeline of it. That's when I had like little tiny babies. So uh-huh. I wasn't watching a whole lot of TV. Um, my husband just started watching it on Amazon We've been watching it together and we're only on like season five. I think there's nine seasons, but it's so funny to me that this is like such an old show, but we were like so into it. Like, this is such a good show. We really like it. There was a a cast reunion at at ATX a couple of years ago. We didn't watch Suits, but the entire cast was there. So we went to get pictures and Caroline has a picture with Patrick J. Adams, you know, arm around her and all that. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. We like to um, like hate on Lewis Litt and, you know, talk about all the Harvey (laughs) is such an asshole and, you know, all this stuff. So we we're like so into it, but. Well, Megan Markle was there. It was like still in like the um, kind of like, did you hear she's dating Prince Harry kind of phase of where she was in her life at the time? Yeah, because speaking of that, that documentary about them, um, Megan Markle and the prince, I was watching a little bit of that. And she was mentioning sort of that show. And so, yeah, it kind of overlaps a little bit of when she met him while she was still filming that show. But I think that's um, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like a. Well, you can't actually work (laughs) (laughs) kind kind of thing. But they had like a, 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 uh, they did a reading of the pilot. So they had everybody reading their various parts of the pilot. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. 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 turns out Gabriel mocked in, in just civilian life that kind of spins down the handsome quite a bit. Uh, Big, big goofy (laughs) glasses and, and, and nothing hair and everything. That's so funny. Yeah. So he he is not Harvey. He's definitely in, a really. presence, like on that show. Oh, he's a whole you know? thing. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's fun to watch. And I I love Donna. She's like one of my favorite characters. So. Yeah, well, she's a good, smart, strong character. I yeah. mean, Jessica is a whole other kind of thing. Um, yes. She's the boss, of course. But uh, mm-hmm. but but Donna, not to be trifled with either. No, definitely not. I feel like I, I kind of miss out on some of these like super popular shows and then I go back and watch them later and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so good. And people are like, yeah, we know. 
We've been there. That is, you have just described me to a T. I am like so late to the game on so many things. And all of a sudden I'm like, like oh, why did someone tell me this was so good? Yeah. Looking at you, Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. I didn't catch up and I didn't get into Game of Thrones until the very last season. Like I had watched everything sort of like leading up to that final season. And I was all caught up because there was such a delay from what was it? Season five to season six, whatever it was. Well, seven to eight. Seven to eight. Yeah. yeah. So it was. Yeah. So the last season was what I was like watching live as it was happening because I had caught up on the train. I was watching all these episodes on the train to work to and from work. <laughs> that's an awkward awkward show to watch on a train in a well, public place first couple of seasons there was a lot more <laughs> sex so yes uh, kept angling my phone just a little bit away <laughs> right yeah uh, so you mentioned also Grey's Anatomy is that something that fits into that category of that uh, you're catching up on no I was 100% on the Grey's Anatomy train every week like clockwork that was my show Shayla and I have actually talked about this a lot because it's on season 752 now and right. it's done people enough with this show like I am so I, they lost me I'm done I no longer care to keep up but the first, you know, 15 seasons, I was all in. <laughs> so I so I am now watching Grey's Anatomy for the first time ever. I was one of these people who was allergic because it was so it was so much popular at the time yeah. and everybody was watching and I was just like, "You know what? I'll I'll give it I'll see how this goes." Again, because I don't like to get burned. I don't like to get involved right. in something and then, you know, care about these characters and season 3 they wrap it up. Well, season 19 was pending and I was like, "Maybe I'll give it a watch." And I'm up to season 9 now so spoiler i don't know if i'm allowed to say spoiler with something that's been around for 20 years right. i'm up to the plane crash the plane crash okay. has just happened See, that has killed me about that last time we talked i was like yes. what happened to uh so um, it's clean it's killed lexi. off mcsteamy it's killed off lexi and no. um you know so now the the lawsuit is happening so i'm i'm a latecomer Yes, I'm a latecomer to Grey's Anatomy. I feel the unraveling that Steph has talked about because her and I have kind of, uh, before I and after Yellowstone, you. like I've we, we chit chat. You. you know, you did. In fairness, you did warn me that it does go off the rails, but I'm like, I will enjoy it until yes, a point. And I know that that point is coming and I probably have about two or three more seasons, maybe four seasons before I'll wrap that nonsense up. But I think I, mean, I will you know give Suits a try. Because, yeah, go for Suits. Um, because it's, it's so talked about. Like, I remember Grey's Anatomy was one of the things that we would go to work the next day and like, oh, my God, can you believe what happened? So but whenever we we, you know, we lost Derek Shepard, I was done. <gasps> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Sheila. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I, I know that I that's like coming. a panic moment. Like, oh my, surely, you know, that happened. No, I, I know the big stuff. I know that because um, mm -hmm, it's like all over the news. <laughs> it's, you cannot live in the world of pop culture and not know some of the highlights of this show. Yes, exactly. It's so prolific. I mean, it's it's hard. You're hard pressed at this point to reach back into TV history and be like, well, what's been around for 20 years? That's not a dateline. Right. That's not a 2020. Right. You know, what is a scripted show that's been around for 20 years? Yeah. Can you think of I anything off believe... the top of your head? The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Yeah. South Park. Right. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> But in terms of like a scripted show, it's it's hard. You're hard to find, you know, shows yeah. that are around that long and to not know some of the big things. Every year when they renew it for three more seasons, I'm like, why? Stop already. There's only three original characters left going into Ugh. season 19. I have stopped watching because you had such a good thing and you it was such a great show and... Like, enough is enough. So I don't even want to know. Like, I'm happy with, like, my view of Grey's Anatomy and where I left off and the, my characters. And I don't want to know what you've done to them. Like, how you just... <laughs> how you've mangled their, their lives. lives. Yes. Tell you what, though. Know. I will definitely take out a big life insurance policy on anybody that works at Seattle, Grace, Mercy I West. Know, right? <laughs> because like, it you just can't seems possibly to be... survive that many life tragedies. Right. But, you know, like, I also was allergic to Grey's Anatomy because I was working in a hospital at the time and mm. like I, I had enough of a hospital during the day that I didn't right. want to come home on a Thursday night and be like, ah, let's kick back and watch Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. So now that I'm working in a corporate office of said hospital, you know, I, I my tolerance for this stuff is like, oh, now I'm nostalgic for a hospital. Kind of, sort of. We were big ER watchers for a while. Yeah. I never watched ER. And uh, then we had uh, our own medical situation mm, yeah. that changed our lives and so uh we never watched it again 
Yeah, my it, mom watched one episode of ER when I was a kid when it came out, and she was like, "They're scrubbing wrong," and she was like, "This is garbage." Oh my gosh! I <laughs> so know, right? They were they had like they'd clean their hands, and they went down. I think it was George Clooney and Anthony Edwards were scrubbing at a sink, and they went down to their elbows, and they came back up with the soap. And she goes, "No self-respecting anybody would scrub like that, not even on day one." And she was like, "This is garbage." That's funny. That's what my sister is an RN, and I'm always asking her, like, is that possible? Does that really happen? She's like, no. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> Makes for good drama, not realistic yeah. health care. All right. Moving on to uh, some movies we watched this week. Sheila, you mentioned you saw the Weird Al movie. It's- so I am a diehard Weird Al fan, which is very unlike really? me then to sort of like not be sort of like first in line to, to watch this. I had to figure out how to watch it. It's on the Roku channel. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's a free app that you can just download. You can put it okay. on your phone, your iPad, your TV, whatever. And it's free. You just have to watch a couple of ads. No big deal. Like, I love Weird Al so much. I actually met him. I paid money at a con to go see him at a Comic-Con in D.C. a couple of years ago to have a picture taken with him. Yeah. Because I love him so much. And I got to tell him, I was like, I'm taking my six-year-old to see you for his first ever concert later this summer when you come to Queens. And he was like, oh, my God. He goes, that is so awesome. I was like... Oh, you are just as lovely in person <laughs> in real life as you are just, you know, in general. Watching this movie about his life, I'm like the first, you know, sort of opening scene to it. I was like, hey, this never happened. We're all never overdosed. What the hell is happening here? Of course, now I have to, you know, Google it. I'm like, what is up with the Weird Al movie? And it's like, oh, it's a parody of musical biopics. Now I get it. So if you're watching like Val Kilmer in The Doors, if you're watching Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody, if you're watching Taron Egerton as Elton John in Rocketman, this movie is taking the Mickey out of every single one of those movies. And then I was like, oh, now I get it. And it was just the most perfect way to describe, you know, Weird Al as a parody in his own movie. And he's and the he's in it as an actor and he's telling his character how awful he is and how he's never gonna That's make it funny. as anything. And it's just it is hilarious. I, I laughed for two hours straight. I loved it. That's so I highly recommend if you have ever even laughed to one of Weird Al's songs to go out and watch this movie. I enjoyed it. I could probably line up events inspired by real life that wound up in the movie. But then like when he started taking credit for Eat It coming out before Beat It. Oh, that just cracked me up. Yeah, that's when it was like, okay, now we've now we've probably completely broken with the with reality. And then, of course, becoming Madonna's boyfriend. Um, Are you wanting that Yankovic bump so that she can, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that she could, you know, reap the windfall that would come with, you know, the popularity that associated with her original song with his parody. Mm -hmm. Um, Battling Pablo Escobar, all the... (laughs) Yeah. It was just a very, you know, tongue in cheek laugh at the 80s. And I just like the fact that they stopped it there. They just kept it, you know to that time frame and, you know, left it there. But I did learn that Daniel Radcliffe actually, you know, just to to bring a J.K. Rowling story, you know, Harry Potter kind of made his career, that he originally did the singing, but then they overdubbed Weird Al sort of in post-production. So I would have loved to have heard, you know, Daniel Radcliffe singing, um, you know, Eat It um, or My Bologna for for reals. (laughs) That that scene, what is it, when when he brings the... The accordion to that backyard party where he's, he's oh. and it's kind of reminded me of Boogie Nights a little bit, mm-hmm. that yes. scene, but it's got all these like 80s notables kind of. Conan O'Brien is Andy Warhol. Oh my God, that was just like yeah. uh, a who's who. Yes. That's hilarious. It's it, stuff. Yeah. It was so good. Like I just, I, I, like I said, I've loved Weird Al since probably since the Eat It days. So when this came out, my husband was like, he goes, you haven't watched the Weird Al movie yet? I'm like, no, I just, there were things going on. Like family life was imploding all over the place. So I didn't have time for light and fluffy, but when I got time for light and fluffy, it delivered. You can, you can fold your laundry and watch this stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. You do not need to like play along. (laughs) It's not like, um, like a handmaid's tale or a you where you need to pay attention to every moment. You can, you can kind of walk away and come back. There's a lot of sight gags and and stuff like that. And, and, you know, it's funny. Evan Rachel Wood plays uh, Madonna and there's a few like awkward makeout scenes between her and Daniel Radcliffe that I think were as awkward for them making them as they were for us watching. 
watching them. So they, so, but it works on screen to make you feel that way in a yeah. very a conscious sense. <laughs> so it's it, really cute. I think yeah. I think your kids would like it too. That's funny. We have waited long enough to <laughs> talk about the big news this week. For this team, anyway, all of the Yellowstone rumors, which are only at this point, unless something has happened while we are recording this, <laughs> that these are only rumors. Of course, I'm talking about the rumor that Kevin Costner wants off the show and that he is making his own shooting schedule so short as to be unworkable to finish the rest of season five. Can we say non-existent his yes. shooting schedule? Proposed anyway? Yeah. He's the main character of the show, and he, according to sources, has only offered up 10 shooting days to finish up the rest of the season. That sounds crazy. There's eight episodes left. The schedule was for 60 shooting days. 60? Yes. He wants to give them 10. Right, but there's eight more episodes left in the supersized season. They went up to 14, and they left us at, at episode 8 at the end of December. So, and they haven't filmed anything. That's what we were told upon relieving the show at that point to have 10 shooting days. That's, that's nothing. (laughs) (laughs) How is this not in a contract already? Like written out and agreed upon? Like how can he do that? Well, he might have a different deal because I think he might've been part of the producing like package that got the show made in the first place. Hmm. Taylor wasn't Taylor (laughs) when the show was born. Right. When you're talking five years ago, six years ago, when this was going into production, this is not Taylor Sheridan. Who? What have you done? Hmm. But, you know, you sign on Kevin Costner because I had read way back when that Yellowstone was originally supposed to be a movie. And mm-hmm. Kevin Costner was the one who was like, I think we need to show this. Right. That we need to, you know, serialize this and put this into sort of a weekly. Because he felt that there was a big story to tell there. He's got a competing project. It is called Horizon. And it is another Western that he is making also. And that is the given reason that he has less time to commit to Yellowstone. The other part of the rumor is that Matthew McConaughey would step in and somehow they would spin off the show hmm. with him as the lead and retain the rest of the of the other lead Duttons. That doesn't make any sense. No, it really, really doesn't. Capping that off, Paramount has said, we have no news to report. So, but there's a lot of smoke. A lot of smoke keeps coming up. Deadline was the initial uh, reporter of this. Deadline is not a rumor mag. They are a, a trade magazine they right they're a respected publication you know if you're getting it from like joe's news then i'd be like eh but when you guys sent the deadline article i was like oh wow Uh, no joe's news is a real thing like oh i thought you were no 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 like that's a real thing like it came up on facebook as a as a news outlet and i was like my mother-in-law had said something i was like yeah but you can't really take that as like gospel because it's just literally joe's news she's like oh okay so funny there are a few that are all rumor based, but Deadline is mm-hmm. meant to be, they want to be variety. They want to be the Hollywood reporter. So they're kind of in that ilk. They're not going to trade in things that they're not pretty sure about. Right. right. They're not going to give up the cred that they've been establishing all this time for something that's, you know, smoke, really. Mm-hmm. But there's been a lot of it this week. I get Kevin Costner's desire to spread out and work on his own stuff because you know he is a prolific storyteller himself you know going back to like the dances with wolves days you know with all that oscar sweep that he had in like what like 1990 or something like that i get it you know he's he's in his mid-60s he still has a lot of you know harrison ford type longevity in him to to tell stories and to to do this so he's probably feeling in a way that like this juggernaut is never going to go away, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right. Because Yellowstone is so massively popular that unless he does something, he's going to be, you know, betrothed to the show for forever at this point. I mean, I get that he wants to do this, but at the same time, I'm like, how does 
a show like this survive? I mean, like I'll remember like back when the at the end of season three stuff, when the the all the Duttons were shot up and the, you know the hit went out on them, mm-hmm. and you and I caught so much shit online from people going, "How can John Dutton die? He's but he's like the main star of the show." I'm like, well, now you know, fast forward two years, this doesn't seem so crazy. People weren't nice. They were like simple women. Don't understand they how were TV awful. works. <laughs> and it's just like we were just noodling through kind of like the different possible scenarios. Like, well, what does the show look like if John dies? Because, listen, don't get me wrong. Not for one second does Taylor Sheridan not have a backup plan in the ineventual death of a Kevin Costner. God forbid, like touch would save Kevin Costner. That is not happening. But in the eventual, you know, man, 64 years old or whatever it is, you know, they, they had to have scenarios planned for the ineventual death of of some of these stars how to explain it away but at the same time you know like you and i were talking about like you know what does the show look like without a john dutton hey well now you know what we're not so crazy <laughs> so can you tell him a little bitter <laughs> because like you know we weren't saying that john wasn't coming back but we're just saying like in the the possibility that he's not you know, sort of front and center on the show because, you know, people made it kind of clear that Kevin Costner is sort of the heart and soul of the show. And, you know, he's he's a part of the draw. Since hearing about it, I'm just wondering what does an irreplaceable character like John do to the dynamic of the show? And it's it's very interesting because of the, the nature of what they were saying. They're like, this show would end. Mm-hmm. And then they would start up something new with Matthew McConaughey. And then mm-hmm. it's like, is he like so now this kind of leaves open like what could happen at the end of season five if they ever get to the end of season five right. <laughs> 10 days of shooting kevin costner are you kidding it could be a lot of misinterpretation i know that they're sort of like starting to smear in mrs costner i don't know her actual name but but like she's the one telling him to get out of the show or whatever again more more rumors but it could just be there could be alternate explanations you know yeah. there could be maybe mcconaughey had been always in the running to run the four sixes we just didn't know that yet because there haven't been any details but that would make perfect sense being him being like such a big texas guy and stuff like that he's from texas he loves being from texas you know he's a professor at ut is Um, he really yeah he has like a film studies class yeah adorable (laughs) it's adorable adorable. oh come on him as a professor. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. Who, who's ready for some film studies, you know? Yeah. It could make sense if it was planned. Do you know what I mean? If the story that Taylor Sheridan originally had, like, you know, if we're, we were just saying if it was a movie and broken up into a series, there was a, there was a beginning, a middle, and an end already planned. So if that's already there, it could make sense and, and it might be maybe season five is the end or whatever. But what I would hate to have happen is these shows that end for a season and, and plans of coming back and then something happens and it all falls apart and they leave us and it's just over and it didn't wrap it up. So it's like, I wouldn't want to end on like a not cleaned up version of the story. The thing that starts to come to mind with being so fast like that stuff is they've been fighting tooth and nail, killing people mm-hmm. to save this Montana ranch. So this idea that that they'd keep a bunch of the cast, but somehow maybe mentally you're thinking, well, maybe the the four sixes would be the focus of you know the 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 show going forward. Then it's like, well, did we lose? Like, yeah, <laughs> did we, right, we right. lost like right now. You can't just leave us hanging, like, right? Yeah. Yeah, but the other thing that would be terrible, too, is if the show does what Grey's Anatomy is doing, is just mm-hmm. continue, continue, continue. And it's like, wh- why are we doing this? Like, do we have a good story? Because I was reading things towards the end of the mid-season finale saying that Tal- Taylor Sheridan has like seven seasons sort of like geared for, for Yellowstone. So yeah, okay. we're only halfway through season five. Like, I'm sure Kevin Costner's probably like, dude, I'm going to be pushing 70 by the time this mm-hmm. is all said and done. Like... So I can understand where this is going, um, but at the same time, it just makes me kind of scratch my head going, you want, you want to continue the story without the main dude. Right. 
who just won an award. <laughs> finally, right. finally, Yellowstone won something. At the, was it the Golden Globes? Yeah. Yes, the Golden Globe. Like I just feel like as an actor and as the main character of such a hit series, that's probably making him a lot of money. Wouldn't you want to wrap it up in a like clean, nice little package? Before like go just, out on a high as yeah, opposed like, to instead of just being like, oh, oh I'm out. Or have it or have it devolve into something that becomes ridiculous. Yeah. I know you looked into other shows that have tried to carry on after an actor left. Sheila, mm-hmm. did you find any results? I came up with a couple ideas, but did you find anything? I did, I did. And I think you and I have some of the same ones. Um, The biggest one being where they tried to replace like a main character. The closest I came to was Darren from Bewitched, Mm. where they swapped Mm -hmm. out Dick York for Dick Sargent and uh, (laughs) pretended like nothing happened. So if you are not from the last century (laughs) (laughs) or the last millennium, depending on how you want to put that, um, this was a show in the 60s that like went into like the 70s about a a housewife who's also doubling as a witch and nobody seems to notice. Nobody noticed when her husband switched from like, and it was early. It was like, you know, yeah, they just didn't notice. Wasn't he sick? Wasn't that the deal? He he injured his back on set actually, mm, Dick okay. York, and he was he became addicted to painkillers way back when before it was mm, cool. That's a kind of sick, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then they replaced him when he said he didn't want to return. But they did a remarkable job in casting almost the same middle aged white dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the only thing they changed was his last name from Dick York to Dick Sargent. Very similar guys. When you guys initially asked me to, you know, to be part of this today, I was like, I asked myself the question, I'm like, what TV shows have swapped out a character and survived? And the first one that came to mind was Aunt Viv from Fresh Prince of There, Bel-Air. yeah, yeah. Um, but she's not a main character, right? So, yeah, and, you know, yeah. I found out that, you know, the internet really does have everything. And there are articles and articles and articles on this exact topic. So the biggest one being where a main character was replaced, I found was Two and a Half Men. Paul, and I think you found that where like Charlie Sheen had like a mid-season implosion and talked about Tiger's blood right. and winning and, you know, all kinds of chicken dinner shenanigans. <laughs> um, and so they had a shortened season because they just stopped filming and they just let it stop there. And then they brought back Ashton Kutcher. I mean, I remember this happening. I did not watch Two and a Half Men. I'm not a sitcom girl. And it went on for four more seasons. So, you yeah. know, they were able to but they didn't replace him. They didn't just stick new Charlie in. They gave him a different, he was a different character. So I didn't get the sense that that's what they were trying to do with Matthew McConaughey. Like he wasn't going to step in as John Dutton. I didn't, you know, no, that was definitely yeah. stop. And then we're going to do, he's going to be his own person and, but continue the Dutton saga. They might be just as well off running with a Josh Lucas prequel. Right? Not to derail your discussion, but I'm just no, kind of thinking out but loud. That's, that's a great, you know, cause that's a great idea. Cause Steph, you and I, we love some no, Josh Lucas when they bring fan. back those flashbacks. He's a really compelling character, the way that he does the study on Kevin Costner's John Dutton. It feels seamless. He's very so. convincing, yeah. That would make more sense to me. You know, what is Goldberg's recently had to write off Jeff Garland after right. that weird fiasco. And they, what was it, they, they brought in like his brother or something that has like a very similar build that they could use from like the back, like shooting him from the back. Oh, my God. Isn't that that's, right? That's inventive. Or like Fast and the Furious when Paul Walker died, they had to use his brothers to like stand in his like scenes, body yeah. doubles in cars and stuff like that. But I've heard that the Jeff Garland thing, like the show is less, like people like it less now. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess well, it just changes what you're... He was a bigger deal than they thought when they told him to buzz off. And he's, he's working again anyway, so it must not have been like a totally unforgivable thing. Career but, ending thing, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there was like the Roseanne thing with the Connors. Um, that's another kind of situation where they had to retool entirely. They were able to withstand her being written off the show in an opioid overdose. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh Lord, there's no coming back from that. There's no soap opera. It was a coma and amnesia. All of and then the, Cheers uh, is the only other thing that I can think of. Like they, they've, Shelley Long left the show to pursue her movie career. And then they brought in Kirstie Alley, and that was still successful. But I asked myself the question, does the show survive if Sam Malone's not there? And I'd be like, eh, I don't yeah, think so. It's a good question. 
in the animated world, they're about to go under undergo this same thing with Rick and Morty and all of the Justin Roiland shows because he's blown himself up <laughs> and he is the main voice actor for several of his shows, all of his shows. And, um, mm -hmm. and he isn't allowed to work there anymore, but a uh, similar deal where they're going to have to do an experiment and figure out, can they have, even though they're animated, can you have different actors <laughs> do the voice like there's been kind of a mixed reaction to the fact that kermit the frog has a different voice than the one that he's had for the last 30 years recently yeah. a lot of people don't like the new kermit voice all that much compared to the one that that existed post muppets in manhattan all the way up to the, the muppets tv show even more recently we were watching my son and i were watching he's nine so you know the snoopy show was something that we were watching because he's obsessed with like the charlie brown christmas and great pumpkin sure and he's like why is charlie brown's voice different i'm like uh because that charlie brown is probably about 60 <laughs> yeah that cast always changed just whenever yeah. they made a new special they had they hired a new cast but like i think the great pumpkin and the christmas special are close enough that i think it might be the same actor it might be might be but did you know fergie was one of the uh, voice actors once stop really? did you know she was in kids incorporated who is old enough to remember that show <laughs> kids incorporated <laughs> <laughs> Definitely remember Kids Incorporated. She was Stacy back then, and now yeah. she's Fergie. She yeah. was Stacy. <laughs> and she had poofy hair that I was like, you're a girl after my own heart. Yeah, I think she was oh, Sally in the special. Oh, that, was, that would make sense, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's just interesting when they have to do these, you know, sort of mid story shifts like how how are they going to survive like you know you said rick and morty it's an animated show but there is mm -hmm. such personality wrapped up in the characters and wrapped up in the voice that brings the character to life you know like how how does it how does it fare after such a shift it's a huge following yeah. i mean and nerds are not a forgiving lot. <laughs> the <internet. laughs> they have a lot of documentation on that fact. I don't know if if Yellowstone nerds will be the same same way. I'm dying to know what the real story is with right. all this, because like maybe Paramount it'll be a said, documentary one day. Maybe exactly. Yeah. yeah, they'll have Taylor Sheridan say, "Yeah, this that was never the situation." It's yeah. I don't know who ran with that rumor, but it blew it way out of proportion, et cetera, et cetera. As moms who m might occasionally still go to the movie theater, how did you feel about reading that AMC will be altering its ticket prices depending on where you sit? What? No, <laughs> I didn't hear I, that. I guess this is news to Steph. <laughs> news to me. Yeah, the best seats in the house are going to be the highest price tickets, whereas the seats like right up against the screen okay. or whatever, those are going to be the cheaper tickets. Hmm. Which is great for us because that's where my kid likes to sit. All right. Now, where well, that me, scale works, they haven't set. So mm -hmm. what I did see was that it was going to be on shows after 4 p.m. So kind of like prime. Right. Prime like non-matinee non mm -hmm. pricing. Yeah. Where that scale like centers, like say the tickets right now are say $12 a, a piece. Are they, is the $12 current price the best seat? Because that's what you can pay for it now. Or are they kind of using that as like the middle and they're like going to move it up to get the premium seats and move it down? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But they say they're going to implement that by year's end in all AMC theaters. So what you were saying, Steph? Boo. <laughs> um, for me, that's like another um, item on the list of why I don't want to go to the movies anymore, um, especially with my kids. It's just so expensive. And I don't know. It just, just never goes well for us. It's always such an ordeal. It's expensive. Everybody has to have popcorn. Everybody has to have Coke. Then we spill our Coke and then we drop our popcorn. Like, it's just not worth it anymore. So what, especially if you're going to raise the prices and no, I'm good. Where else could you get an $8 hot dog with a stale bun completely right? dried out? Gosh. <laughs> and like the little pack of Skittles for $7. It's like, guys, no, I don't know. We haven't been to the movies in forever because of all of those reasons. It's just... It just doesn't make a lot of sense um, when you have five people to watch a cartoon or, you know, the sequel to Sing or whatever. So <laughs> it's a lot easier for us to wait for it to come out and buy. And we buy the $30 movie 
on Amazon or whatever, or Disney or whatever, you end up having to buy the movie anyway, but it's it's just better than the $50 to go to the movies. Well, with things hitting streaming so quickly now. Yeah, um, it's easier to wait. Um, it is a little because it's only like a month. Yeah. And and even if you want to pay for it to rent it or whatever, it's still there pretty quickly. Yeah. To go to the movies, it has to be like something that I'm just like a huge fan of at this point. <laughs> well, because now all the movie theaters are, uh, well, maybe not all of them. Okay. But there's several around our area that have bowling alleys and arcades and oh, yeah. icy machines. And so by the time we get out of there, it's like a hundred dollars later and they're crying over the pokemon thing they didn't get and i'm like oh i'm miserable so i was like okay we're good You're like i made this problem for myself yeah like <laughs> this is not worth it it's weird because like i feel like we're in like a post-covid sort of resetting of what normal looks like and right? for me going to the weird. movies has i've tried i've tried to hold on to it as a thing but like steph said like i can't justify some of these prices and i know that movie houses they make their move their money on the other stuff they don't make right. their money on mm-hmm. the movie they make it on the concessions which is why the bag of skittles is seven bucks which is why the popcorn is twelve fifty. you know but as an experience now i don't i don't care as much i used to love going to the movies as a kid and i was trying to get my son to go in the worst way to go see like a couple of movies recently just to like get him out to the movie to have the experience and we saw um puss in boots the last wish which is Mm -hmm. supremely adorable but at the same time i'm like for the amount of money i just paid between the tickets and his popcorn and his seltzer and and all the just junk i could have just rented it or bought it at home and watched it there and Mm -hmm. you know our We've since upgraded our home watching experience because, you know, our home became our only source of entertainment the last couple of years. You know, I don't know. I don't know if this is a great move on the movie theater's part to make something that was kind of on the fringe for a lot of people now inaccessible. Yeah. Because, like, with the cost of everything else, I'm sorry to, you know, be like, you know, Debbie Downer here. But, like, sorry, if I have to go between the cost of, like, a carton of eggs and, like, my kid getting popcorn (laughs) at a movie theater, you know, I might feel like, well, we can just watch it at home for the same amount of money, which is what he wants to do anyway. You know, with the exception of Maverick last year, every other movie that I've wanted to watch was almost direct streaming as well for a fee. Avatars meant to be seen in 3D. That would be awesome. Yeah, we saw Maverick in IMAX because that is a movie meant for IMAX. But yeah. um, right, you yeah. Know, the the rest of them that you know, I didn't even see the second Avatar because like eh. we saw Top Gun, we saw Avatar, we saw Wakanda. I think that's about it for last I year. I think I'll see Ant Man when it comes out next week. Maybe John Wick later this year. But I don't know what else is on the radar. To, like you say, justify 50 bucks because um, my kids are older, so we don't need exactly all the same same stuff. We can yeah. share popcorn. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, like last year I saw Sonic the Hedgehog, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets oh, of Dumbledore, Lightyear, Elvis, Top Gun, League of Super Pets, Thor, Love and Thunder, and Yellowstone. <laughs> I went, remember I went to the Yellowstone premiere? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I went to like, what, 10? That's a lot not even eight times in 12 months. So, you know, I'm not running out to the movies and some of those, I would say most of those are because my kid wanted to go see it. Elvis and Maverick were the ones that we wanted to go see. (laughs) My husband and I. So I don't know. I don't know. This is like a very weird kind of a a juncture for like the movie industry. It's like, so do you, do you go this route and have it implode on you and just drive people home? to the on-demand streaming services where they can just pay slightly less and have the movie forever versus, you know, you're not really adding to my movie experience by upcharging a seat that two hours ago was $4 cheaper. Now you're just making me mad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, it's like I just got a new next door neighbor and they just paid $700,000 for their house, which is several hundred thousand dollars more than I paid for my house, which is almost the same. I'm like, Wow. Doesn't that just like chap your ass that, <laughs> that, you know, somebody paid that much more for a house than, you know, or that much less for a house in my case than, you know, the people next door to me now. So you I know, wouldn't it's ask just, them that, that 
Yeah. No, I wouldn't. It's more of a hypothetical. I hope the people next door are not listening to this. It'd be like, hey, what do you do for your pastime? I record podcasts. Don't listen to this one, though. Yeah, I just don't think that it's going to fare that well because even the movies that I have gone to see, we saw Elvis uh, when it came out the same week that it was, yeah, the same weekend that it came out. The movie theater was only half full. You know, so even like these big blockbuster movies, you know, quote unquote, are not filling. Even Maverick wasn't full and sold out. And we saw that opening weekend in IMAX. So I don't know. This is not a, a great point in time for upcharging a service that many people are feeling that is kind of obsolete. They're going to have to up their game and what they're offering. I mean, they're they're basically just raising the price for what they were offering a second ago, you know, yeah, without any <laughs> incentive. Other, without other, any reward for the yeah. customer. So, yeah, something about what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, most of our local theaters have added, like, the recliners and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, which is nice. But, you know, like you you both have said, I like my stuff at home, too. Yeah. I have Uh, have four reclining couches at home. Beat that and, AMC. Beat that, and they don't, and they don't have to be hosed down after every. Oh my gosh! <laughs> every viewing, which I don't we've, think they do, but we've implemented a weekly movie night every Friday night. So you know, now we're we're just in the habit of it's PJs, and we can pop our own popcorn, and right, I can lay down on the couch and actually fall asleep. I don't have to actually stay awake. It felt like I wasted my money. So right. You don't um, have to roll your eyes every time one of your kids has to go to the bathroom and be oh like, oh, great. Yeah. There, there goes $17 of a movie I won't get to watch. <laughs> exactly. The pause button uh, gets yeah. a lot. Uh, yeah, here, there's a lot of know? power in that pause button. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, it was very awesome talking to you guys again. I, I haven't to you again. gotten to hear from you and your lovely thoughts in weeks and months. So we'll have to Thank you. find time to do this again sometime for this reason or another reason sometime yeah. soon. All right. Well, this has been the Pop Culture Review Podcast for the week of the 5th of February through the 11th. If you like this podcast, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's see, you can find us on Twitter or anywhere at Pod Clubhouse or me at Paul V Daily. Uh, if people wanted to find you, Steph, where would they look? You can find me on Twitter at Tweet Two Steph, the number two and S T E F. What about you, Sheila? I am on Twitter at Shields Magangsta, bringing that gangsta energy. That's right. Well, my last name is McGann, and I was given that as a nickname, McGangsta. Well, it was McGangster, and then Twitter didn't allow all those characters. I had to McGangsta. It's an A at the end. Carolyn and I just recently watched uh, The Departed, so we're all up on Irish gangs now. <laughs> I quote that movie a lot, saying that um, the Irish are impervious to psychoanalyzation. <laughs> I'm the guy that's doing this job. You must be the other guy. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.